I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that. Me oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. And thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingi, where today we are joined by a former Wellington Lion and current Waikato Mulu, Carlos Price. Now on the show, we learn about the halfback's time at St. Kent's, what it was like to train with the Hurricanes, as well as the clothing business he runs, 138. Now at the end of this podcast, if you feel like you want to learn more about this guy and the side project he has going on outside of football, you can find everything on his Instagram page under the handle underscore Carlos Price. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank all of you that have reached out with all the positive messages over the past fortnight. As I mentioned in an earlier episode, I'm really enjoying all the storytelling and hopefully I've got more of it to deliver to you guys. It's also worth mentioning that a big thank you goes out to all the boys that have jumped on my podcast so far, as without you guys, I don't have the means to deliver a really meaningful product. If you guys are enjoying these podcasts, I do please ask that you recommend it to one person or share it on your own social media channels. This way, you're helping me expand my audience while also helping share some of the insights and stories of all the guys that have jumped on. But without further ado, let's go and meet Mr. Price. So, yeah. what's been your buzz? Uh, bro, not much, eh? We've just sort of been sorting things out around the house uh, and trying to work as much on the online sort of stuff for my, my clothing thing. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, bro, at this, at this point in time, everyone's sort of on their screens at home with not much to do. So, um, just following good advice, sort of put things in front of people. And I guess... Like you might not get the best results off ads and stuff at this point, but I think you'll come out of the other side better off. So, very just trying to do that at the moment. Pretty lucky with I'm staying with my partner at the moment. Her old man's got a gym set up, so I've just been training in there and just cruising, bro. Yeah, it's a weird time, mate, because uh, I'm I'm working from home at the moment because I can just do everything from my laptop and some sort of plugged in that way. But then outside of that, bro. I know a lot of my boys are picking back and playing a lot of PlayStation, but I know for me, bro, I'm just trying to use this time to maximize, you know, all the other side projects that I've got going on or the stuff that, you know, I was looking to sort of fit into my lifestyle or my daily routine that, you know, I just didn't make the time for, bro, because if you can't do it now, like you're never going to do it. Exactly, bro. No, no better time to do it, eh? Got so much time on your hands. All right, bro. So... Before we, we drop into the, the whole clothing thing, bro, why don't you start off by sort of telling us a little bit about who you are and how you started playing rugby? Yeah, bro, sweet. So, um, obviously, my name is Carlos Price. Came from, I come from Tauranga, Mount Maunganui. Uh, brought up in Mount Maunganui. Was born in Auckland. I lived with my nan for a few years. Um, then went down to the mountain with my family. I uh, went to Tauranga Boys uh, for my first three years of high school. Then... Obviously, because around around Tauranga, that's um that's the main sort of rugby school. So I went there to sort of pursue a bit of a rugby career. Um, ended up going up to St Kent's for my last two years. I uh, St Kent again in Auckland, and then um from there I sort of got approached by Wellington. Uh, so I went down to Wellington, signed two years of Wellington out of school. Um, so yeah, I spent my first two years down there playing for Wellies, uh, Lions, and doing a bit little bit with the canes then I sort of into the end of 2018 that was my last year with them like to be honest I wasn't too happy like off field sort of stuff was nothing to do with the the setup but just myself I I sort of wanted to I needed to be a bit closer to home at that time a few things going on in my life so I decided to move back Waikato took me in um, last year so I spent the year in Hamilton being able to come back home you know, it's only an hour away. Fuck, it was mean. It's sort of what I needed for a year. And, yeah, bro, now I'm sort of, everything's sort of up in the air at the moment. What What's going on? I had a few plans um, sorted, but with this coronavirus, it's sort of put everything on the back burner, so it's all sort of uncertain at the moment. So you talked about going to St. Kent's uh, and having to move up from Tauranga. So were you approached by St. Kent's in year 11, year 12, or...? Yeah, uh, so it's, uh, we played a game on. Uh, we played a TV game, one of those Land Rover games, 
Uh, we played Gizzy down in Gisborne in year 11, and I think the the tie the St. Kent's coach um, might have seen it. Um, it was actually pretty funny because the last play of that game, we had the chance to win the game. We got a penalty pretty much straight out in front, um, and I was 15 at the time. And oh, that that whole time we, we was I think we were two points behind, and I was waiting to I was I was seeing a gap by the side of the ruck, and I was just waiting for a chance to just pick it up and go for it. Mm-hmm. And then we got a penalty, and I didn't even think about a penalty would would win the game, and I tapped and I went. Oh yeah, no! Yeah, bro, and I got tapped, so I got tackled straight away. Um, yeah, not, nah, but I, regardless, got tackled, bro. Someone, one of our boys went for a pick and go, got held up over the line. We lost the game by two points. Oh. Um, but that was actually the game that that ended up. You know, I went on, went up to St Kent's for my for my interview and stuff. That was that was the game he had seen, and he sort of praised me for it and kind of said like, you know, I've had a few players that have done similar things in different situations. Um, same thing I told them is what I'm going to tell you. Well, don't stop quick tapping. Don't stop. Just he said he rated that. You know, you sort of backed yourself, made a decision, and whatever comes comes. Be a better player for it, I guess. Yeah, exactly, bro. It's one of those things, eh? Like, bro, even with myself being on the field, like I love sort of having a snow. And you just get caught up in the moment, bro. Yeah. And yeah. especially with like quick taps, bro, because you just want to catch them sort of napping, like they're not back ten. Yeah. But then yeah, referees can be pretty bad about guys being offside, bro. But yeah. um, on from that, um, so you got the St Kent's, and I'm guessing you were a part of the first fifteen, and maybe talk us through that experience, bro. Bro, yeah. To be honest, I'd say, to be honest, the St Kent's two years close to being two of the best years of my life. The, you know, people sort of, I guess St. Kent sort of gets a bit of a, a, what do you call it? A bad rep? Yeah, reputation of grabbing players and things. I guess, obviously being school, it's pretty full on to have that sort of name to you, but you can't, you can buy all the best players in the world, but if you're not going to train hard or work hard, you're not going to get results, so... Um, but I did, never felt like that was the case at St. Kent's, bro, like we, it was, it was almost probably overboard, but it kind of taught us a professional sort of environment at a younger age. So we were sort of, you know, we trained a lot. We trained maybe four mornings, four afternoons a week and it was full on, but we, you know, we died together so many times and it sort of brings you close. We, we had a pretty unreal brotherhood going on at St. Kent's, you know, we're all sort of family, especially because, you know, half the teams in, in the boarding house, you all live together, so it's your family away from home, and but if I could put anything above any other school about what it would be with St. Kent's is, is the brotherhood they have there, and environment, the culture is just, uh, and credit to Tybo, he he's really nails that down. Um, from day one, you're going on a camp. So we went in maybe a week before school started and we did a, a rugby camp and just straight away you sort of get taught culture things. So I remember the first time we sat down, I was we were sitting in the interview room, in the meeting room, and um, he stood up the new boys and we all stood up, we introduced ourselves and I went first, I stood up, uh, hey, my name's Carlos Price, uh, I'm from Tauranga Boys, I'm 16 years old, blah, 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 sat down, and Ty was like, where are you from again? He said, I was like, oh, Tauranga Boys, he said, yeah, you're not fucking from there anymore, <laughs> straight away, I was like, then all the boys sort of looked at me like, head down, trying not to laugh, and I was like, shit, why did I say that? Uh, and it just showed straight away from there, it was just like, everything's about this team and, you know, like, the culture is just the starts from there. He talked about, um, you know, a, a Facebook page that was blowing up at that time that, that sort of praised rugby players and he said, you know, like, don't pay attention to that because you're a false sense of security. Um, just worry about what's going on here. So we talked about outside noise a lot. Um, so which from a young age is pretty rare to get taught that sort of stuff, like things that are going on in 
in media and things and to not let it affect you on the field. We get we got taught that from 16 years old, so um, it was a pretty, pretty surreal experience, bro. They had a really good setup, uh, all the, uh, what do you call it, the gym and everything, the facilities were amazing and nah, I loved it, bro. Good times. Mm-hmm. Bro, like, because I, I live in Wellington, bro, and I, I went to Silver Stream, but I spent a year at Mags, my first year of high school, bro. Oh, and man, I remember, yeah. I, I remember going out there for uh, just you know just play rugby against. I think I was playing my under fifty fives my first year of high school, something like that. Yeah. And bro, like, I'd never seen anything like St Ken's, bro. So I can only imagine a, a bro from Tauranga just rocking up to the school and being yeah, like, "Holy!" Bro. Yeah, bro. So I, I I came in with a with a guy from a little place called Ruatoria, if you've heard of. Oh no way, bro! Yeah, that would have even been worse. Yeah, so he, he, he was he was riding horses to school and shit. This, this dude, his name's Tiahiwaru. He now plays for the Marcos. He's down in Tassie. Um, so me and him, me and him were new together, and like I, I found it. I was like, you know, driving in. It was like a little, little city. Practically, everything was yeah. Everything was just mad, and you know, like the everyone loves the rugby there. Um, it's, it's a bit of a a crazy culture. You sort of not used to coming from somewhere like Tauranga. Um, we're like, no offence to Tauranga, and I think it's gotten better, but like, but you don't have, you know, your whole school turning up to a game, you know, painted up, guys with your name on, painted on their back and stuff. It's just something, something you don't experience, I don't think, anywhere at the moment apart from the 1A in Auckland. Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's something different, bro. Yeah, man, like, I've just seen a few people riding in school, uh, a horse to school, bro. Like you'd walk up there thinking you could hold like the Olympics in that place, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you touched on it about the 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 negative press that Saint Kitts gets a lot of the time around the whole poaching thing. But I think I think you'd probably be able to give us a better idea of how how they hold players accountable for their academic stuff as well. Because I know a lot of the time, you know, this thing on you know they're just going to play rugby. They don't care about these guys. But could you sort of touch on like you know? Maybe the stuff they did for you academically, networking, and even just you know looking after you as a human being. Yeah, yeah, bro. So it's um, first of all, the first thing you go in and and you sort of join the footy. Well, so I'm talking from the footy perspective, obviously, because that's all I know with St Kent's. That's that's the thing I was a part of with the footy boys. They're straight away talking about growing better men than better players. So you go in and you sort of. Same with all that culture sort of stuff. It kind of teaches you to be a better person as opposed to a better player. Well, then and the better player thing sort of comes with with academics and things, uh, and even other sports. So, for example, in summer uh, there was a touch tournament on an Auckland touch tournament on the same weekend as our first preseason game for the first fifteen, and there were about four of us playing in both teams, but. Um, we chose to play the first 15 game, obviously, because that's what we were kind of there for. And we got pulled aside by Ty, the coach, and, and the, the head of sport. And they told us, now it's summer, your, your sport for summer, your main priority is touch, because that is a summer sport. And so you guys are going to be playing the touch tournament this weekend. We sort of, well, oh, Okay then, like they said, you know, you've made a you've made a you've made a commitment to them, and you can't just sort of leave that. So you have to you have to follow through with that. So we did that. Same with if you're not doing well in class, and and I think they sort of they're not really gonna bag you on your results. Um, it's more effort if you're not, and they know you know they know how intelligent you are. If if they know that you're not gonna get the best results, but you're trying hard, that's what they want. Um, mm-hmm. So it more comes down to like you know character um, feedback from teachers and stuff. If they're getting bad character feedback or oh he just sits there in class and does nothing, then you get a, a, a student talking to from the management. So they almost become your your parents away from home and away. You know, like they sort of stay on top of you and that sort of thing. And because it's hard, bro. Like obviously they've got they're bringing in these young boys. Um, you know, there's there's boys from all over the country, staying at a boarding house in Auckland. You know, very rarely go home. They sort of need a bit of guidance with being so young. 
and it's sort of if, if you're within the rugby part or the this where it, whether it be the soccer or the tennis or whatever you know the people within those or if it's just academics the people that are in those you know parts of the school they need to be accountable for the students that are in that area and sort of look after them and I think they do that pretty well up at St Kent's. Sure Jim. Now you enjoyed a, a, a pretty decent uh, first 15 career, you ended up playing schools in your last year and then you get a contract to go to Wellington uh, that you, you mentioned in one of your previous podcasts bro so was it a matter of you wanting to go to Wellington or did Auckland not offer you anything or did Canterbury not offer you anything? Uh, to be honest bro, the Wellington was really the last place I thought I was ever going to end up. I had no sort of plans or ambitions to end up in Wellington. It just sort of happened. So I had a, an opportunity with Auckland, but it was just a sort of academy kind of deal. I had an opportunity back home um, in the Bay and uh, down in Tassie, Tasman, linked in with the Crusaders. Um, and I guess what made me choose Wally was they flew me down, me and my parents, and they kind of just ran me through the where they see me ending up. Um, it sort of showed me the best pathway to where I wanted to be, and so I decided to go there. Things didn't really work out the the way the plan that it tended, but but to be honest, I I put that on myself. I sort of lost myself in a couple of years down there, and so that's that's where the decision to come home and a bit closer to home came, where I just needed to sort of find myself and my love for for rugby again because I just wasn't feeling that anymore so sort of, you know it was just kind of a part of me where I just felt like I had to be there and, but I didn't want to be so I had to sort of find that again and I thought I did so yeah well at least that's yeah I mean if you, if you don't mind if you don't mind talking about it bro would you say it was more so personal stuff and I mean you don't have to open up about it but was it more so personal stuff that affected your footy was it your, the way you were playing or because I mean I've, I listened to a few of your podcasts and you mentioned the, the struggle initially uh, with having to balance study and then obviously trying to play uh, in the New Zealand 20s team so was it more sort of a downward spiral or was it just yeah uh, yeah if you if you if you're willing to talk about it bro that'd be awesome yeah bro no nah, it was yeah it was more it was more the off-field sort of stuff um, and I think it sort of led to me to on-field performance because if you're not if you're not in a good headspace off the field, like you're fucked pretty much. You need to find happiness off the field and you need to find a good headspace off the field before you can even worry about performing on the field. So the balance thing wasn't really, like with study and that, that wasn't really what led to me feeling a bit off in my head. It was more so that was just sort of the reason where I struggled with my studies itself not really with like my mental side of things. I think it was more, you know, I went down to Wellington by myself. You know, I just turned 18, like, you know, a couple months before that, turned 18, and then straight after New Year's, I was on a plane to a city I'd been to once in my life. I uh, didn't know anyone, didn't have any family there, going to live with a family and, and people that I had never met or seen to start off with. I was going to live out there, which was about 45 minutes away from town, so I was sort of isolated out there as well, um, living in this big house with the parents that actually never even lived there. They stayed in other cities for work, so I stayed with the son and his partner, and they had the little outhouse, so I was pretty much out in this big house by myself, 45 minutes from town, and that sort of played on my mind to start with. I sort of isolated myself. I found myself playing, you know, like PlayStation and stuff a lot more because I was trying to play online with my mates to try and feel like I was sort of with them because I didn't really have anyone else with the rugby that came to to Wellington. If you, th if you think about Wellington, bro, like you, you would see that, like um, they're really homegrown. So, you know, like a lot of their team are, are from Wellington or within the region not really often they go out and grab people from out of the city so when you come in you sort of feel that like you feel it's a real homegrown sort of environment you know like all the boys are kind of you know they've grown up playing age grades together you know they've been playing each other since they were 10 years old 
you know, that same sort of feeling you get at home, you know, you feel like you're, just, you're seeing that, but you're sort mm -hmm. of on the outside at the start. So that sort of, st yeah, that stuff sort of affected me at the start. And then, yeah, personal reasons, bro, where I sort of got a bit mentally off and I just sort of had to make a decision that was best for my life and my, my happiness and um, may, may not have been the best decision for my footy, I don't know. Like, I don't know what would have happened if I had a stay, but I'm never going to regret it because I'm happier today for it, so. Yeah, for sure, bro. I mean, I look back to when I was 18 as well, bro, and I think about, like, how different I was, and so I can only imagine, like you said, you, you move out of home into a place that you're not familiar with, and there's probably, you know, a certain amount of pressure on you as well, bro, because, like you said, you, you sign a contract down here and there's all these expectations on you. And then, like you said, you're sort of isolated by yourself. You don't really have anyone to sort of chill with. You know, if you, if you have a bad day or if you have a bad game, bro, I mean, like, one of the things I always like to do is that if I ever play a bag in my footy, bro, I always try to go straight to my old man and or just be around my boys, bro. So, yeah, bro, yeah I'm guessing that would have been. Different, eh? It's different when you don't, you don't have that. It's like a, you know, a call away. You know, your parents and that are always a call away, but it's sort of different when you don't have someone like that a little bit closer. And I mean, I, I was, I ended up being really close with a lot of the boys down there, but it's just like that sort of, that family kind of feel, like that mm -hmm. someone that's been there from the start. Like, it's, it's pretty important and people don't sort of realise that when you're just coming out of school, like you think, I'm 21 now, I think back to an 18-year-old, like leaving school, leaving his family, going down to a city he's never been to, like, without the right sort of support and stuff and that's it's almost a ticking time bomb and but I put that on myself it was nothing to do with the the wellies set up I mean they helped me as much as they could it's just sort of the way I processed it kind of put me in the wrong I guess and I mean because you you mentioned as well that you know you played two seasons of uh might 10 and you got caught up with the hurricanes did you I mean what sort of learnings did you take away from those experiences as well bro because I mean even just playing grown men having just played school boys is a massive jump so mm. do you feel like you got any better as a footy player while you were down here yeah yeah no 100% and I learnt a lot I think the best thing you can do with different teams and uh, different players is learn how they play the way Wellington play is a bit different to how other teams play and now other teams are sort of playing a similar way like an example could be the if you've if you watch rugby and you would know bros, Wellington and the Hurricanes are a lot about, you know, rush D, like get off mm -hmm. the line and fly at people pretty much. <laughs> and then you'll get teams where, um, where other teams I've played in where they're like more up and out and um, keep the numbers right and keep the line sort of together so there's no breaks in the line, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, it was different being down there and obviously the the switch from playing kids to men. I found the club footy at the start was like, fuck, because <laughs> it was almost harder in a way at the start because it's like you're playing guys that are, you know, some they're, half of them are there to pursue a career in footy and half of them are there for the beers after the game, you know? Like, <laughs> yes, so I know that first there's, there's guys out there, bro, that are like just wanting to take little kids' heads off, like just for fun, because, you know, and that's the they can, eh? Yeah, exactly, bro. <laughs> that's, they're just doing it because they, they're just there to play the game because they want to smash some little people in the weekend and then have a beer in the club room <laughs> afterwards. So that was different, bro. I, I reckon I found the biggest thing I found down there was. Like, when I was playing more, I was getting better. Like, you see boys playing minor 10, um, younger boys that are getting opportunities earlier, and they're playing, like, you know, like, non-stop, week in, week out, getting really good minutes. You'll find they'll blossom a lot better than other players just because they're playing, bro. Like, yeah. um, like a bit, one of the biggest examples I can think of is Quinn Tupai for Waikato. Obviously, he came straight out of school first year and he was there starting 13 um, and has been ever since like, you can just see that in his game like he's so much confidence the way he plays he probably played like that anyway but um no but he's a beast bro he hates scoring a try as well oh my god bro 
I'd put, you almost put money on it every week because it's it's worth it, bro. Like, oh, fuck, I would if I could. Just on him, bro. I was quite interested in him because I remember watching him his first season. He was a standout then, bro, and I was quite surprised he didn't get a lot of game time. I'm not even sure if he got game time for the Chiefs the following year. And I guess that they probably didn't want to put all that pressure on him because he would only would have been like his first year out of school. But mm. bro, he had the 13 jersey this year as well. So yeah, yeah. He didn't he didn't end up playing super till till this year. He was he's just been in training and stuff. I think that's the way some of you know it's, it's good in a way. The Chiefs are good like that where they Canes as well, where they see certain players that they think. You know, you can chuck them in now and it might break them, or you can just let them grow and just give them it in, in due time. I think that's what they did with them, mate. Now, even on the hurricane stuff, bro, like I, I talked to Duplessis last week and he was telling me about um, all the fun he had during the hurricanes preseason, bro. Do you have any stories from your time with the Canes? And what did you take out of that? Obviously, rubbing shoulders with those boys. My first year down there, so I spent. A couple of weeks with them in my first year, so 2017. So I was still 18 then. I spent a couple of weeks in training with them, um, and that was really the first time I'd sort of met any of them. So, uh, man, I I just remember there's like a little a little seat down the end of the changing room by the uh, what do you call it by the basins by the taps, mm-hmm. and uh, this little plastic chair, bro, and that was my chair going in and I just remember sitting down you know to my right it was like Bowden Barrett and TJ Pranara like to my left you know you had us up all oh, just everyone bro was just sitting there like what the hell am I doing here like this is crazy and then the training was just mad and I sort of we do they do a thing where each week so this was like mid-season when I was with them um, they have like their they name their playing twenty three or they name their fifteen, and then the rest of the boys make up a team and you become the def- or the offense or the other team that you're you're playing and so you got you know the scout team mate yeah yeah, yeah yeah the scout team that's the way bro so so we're the scout team and we gotta look at who they're playing what positions that you're playing in and you sort of gotta try and replicate their game mm-hmm. to to improve decide going into the game so like I was doing that for the two weeks that I was there and like the first one I remember was that when they kick off to or when this team receives I can't remember who it was I think it might have been the Reds when they receive they exit straight away this is my first sort of training in there they exit straight away so they they kick from nine and it was on the right hand side and I'm a left footer and so when we first went out on the field, I had to, I just, the first thing that had to happen was when they kicked off to us, we took it down and I had to do an exit off my right foot to the right hand sideline, my first touch in a <laughs> team training. And I, um, and I kicked it and it went pretty well, <laughs> Fluke, flukely went out pretty well. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, and they were like, no, kick loss, like, nice loss. And I was like, yeah, we, we did it again. I, they obviously all had high hopes. The second one went about three metres. <laughs> and then I was like, shit, I should have I should have just said to stop. <laughs> um, I was like, little that, bro. And, and I remember a training where we were running an attack against them inside their 22, and a ball popped out of the ruck, and I, like, picked it up and... I sort of just like went to just take it in like lightly because it just it just had like bobbled out of the ruck. So I grabbed it and I sort of just ran into Sam Lousy who was standing at the first defender. Yeah. And I sort of just like took it in softly because I was just going to go to ground. And he just picked me up, bro, and body slammed me on the side of my body. Like just picked me up and I just slammed me on the side. And then he felt like he tripped and stood on my arm. And, and I had like this boot bruise on my arm like the size of his feet you can imagine how big his his feet are yeah and then he and then he's like sort of picked me up and like just picked me up with one hand by my like bum back on my jersey he like dusted me off I was like all good bro sorry bro <laughs> oh, yeah. all good bro <laughs> main thing about the canes is they don't they don't take anything personally you know like mm-hmm. and everything's full on at when it when they go team versus team in training 
like there's no mates anymore and like you know punches will get thrown fights will happen often and then at the end of the training they just hung it up in front of the team and you just sort of you know you leave it on the field kind of thing i guess it sort of makes the boys better and used to that rather than mm-hmm. sort of taking it easy train like you play eh? exactly mean, mean, mean. all right so then you talk about obviously needing to get your head right and going back home was what you felt was the best decision so when you left wellington had you already hooked up the waikato thing or was it not until you got home that you got into the whole uh, Waikato Academy and playing for them? I, th- I think it was, it wasn't planned, bro. So I went home. Um, I had my one-on-one with with Chris Gibbs, the Wellington coach, and basically asked me if I still want to be there. I said, yes. He said, it's cool. We've still got a spot for you here. Because I also mentioned to him the fact that I am um, homesick and it's sort of affecting my headspace. Mm-hmm. So he gave me a chance to go home. They released me to play for Bay of Plenty for the Sevens. Um, so I got a, a loan for the Sevens tournament. And I played Sevens at home because they wanted me to play Sevens. Inst- instead of going back to Wally's, I played in the Bay. Stayed at home for a couple months. Loved it. And then I started, um, you know, I went to my agent and I said, I want to be around here more. Like, I've been so happy the last couple of months, the most happy I've been since I've left school. Like, I sort of want to stay, hang around here. And so he put the feelers up for me. Um, Waikato came back and I went and had a meeting with Strawbridge, Andrew Strawbridge. Sort of went from there, bro. Yeah, so that was, that would have been. It was sort of in the mix maybe from December, but wasn't really signed off till about January okay. uh, last year. So you were cool with the idea of just obviously just staying at home and then just playing club footy in the Bay, or...? I, I think it was more if, um, if no one was sort of keen for me to come in, I was probably going to go back down. And, you know, I, I'd had my refresher back home and I felt a bit better, so... No, I'd give it another crack down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just happened to be Waikato were interested. So I went and had a meeting with Straws and um, he told me where he'd see me. We had some pretty some pretty brutal conversations, just real honesty. I told him, you know, everything. I told him how I've been feeling lately, why I think I haven't gone as far as I could have down in Wellington. I sort of just opened up to him about it all and, he was happy with it and sort of went from there for a year. Mean, bro. Yeah, because I think that's the other thing that I'd like to touch on with the boys as well is that, you know, a lot of the time there's this outside perception that you guys as professional rugby players are like superheroes and that, you know, none of the outside noise affects you or that it shouldn't, bro, because you guys are getting paid to play a game. But like you said, at the end of the day, you're like anyone else, bro. Like, we all have our bad days and it just so happens that you know, when it affects you guys, it shows on TV. You know, like, you know, I can I can call in, you know, and, and have a sickie if I'm having a tough day at work or, you know, I'll just keep my head down at my desk. Whereas for you guys, there's so much scrutiny when you guys don't play well or things aren't going well for a team that, that you know, it just it's just this big sort of thing that just gets built up. And I feel like the public sort of put you guys on this pedestal. Mm. And I feel like it's through no fault of your own that you guys get held to a, you know, a different standard. It's like, yeah, you guys are in the public eye and you guys get paid, but at the end of the day, bro, for a lot of you guys, you're probably guys are young, you're still learning, and you're just people, eh? Exactly, bro. I think the word perfect fits that is um, toxic masculinity, and Duplessy and Artie are pretty big advocates of that now, and I think it's mean to see, you know, someone in a in a real, what, what people in New Zealand would think are, is a real masculine position to be in in New Zealand, you know, being a professional rugby player, play for the Hurricanes, starting, you know, Artie's an All Black. To see guys like that open up about their mental side of things, I think that's what New Zealand needed, and I think it's getting a lot better. TJ Perinaras is another one that does that. Yeah, but I, I think with, with the footy, yeah, people do need to realise that that, you know, there's and, and I'm sort of, you know, I'm on the I'm on the edges of that professional sort of thing. I wouldn't call my, you know, I wouldn't call myself in the same sort of category as how guys would 
portray, you know, Dupes and Artie and TJ, guys like that. But, yeah, they, everyone's just human, bro. So we sort of got to, you know, the only difference is their desk is Westpac Stadium or Sky Stadium now. And instead of having just their boss looking on them every day, they have, you know, a million people on TV watching them and waiting for them to make a mistake. So uh, I think it's just a... Uh, it's, it's probably a mindset we've sort of grown up with in New Zealand that boys are sort of breaking the stigma now, which is good. Yeah, especially with Artie and all the stuff that people see, like you said, TJ are doing. But um, yeah, bro. Cool. we'll get into a bit of a fun thing with you, bro. Do you have any uh, game day routines or do you have any sort of superstitions when it comes to footy? Uh, I try and keep it as vague as possible. Because if you're playing in different places, you know, like, if, if you let yourself sort of get psyched out by superstitions, like, it could probably affect your game. You know, being like if you have a favourite um, sushi place in Hamilton that you go to before games and then suddenly you're playing someone in South Africa or you're playing Mitre 10 down in Dunedin, that sushi place isn't there and you're like, what am I going to do? I want to play shit today. Um, I think... More for me is just I cruise, bro. On the on the day of the game, I just I'm just as cruisy as possible. Pack my bag the night before. I pack all my stuff so it's ready. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to think about anything. Just get up, you know. If I'm in Hamilton, which last year if I was in Hamilton, I got into a routine of um, walking down. We live close to town. Walk down to a um, cafe that sponsored our team. Um, have a coffee. Have some breakfast with my girlfriend. Um, and maybe a couple of the boys if they're there, yeah, have some brekkie, have a coffee, just chill out, bro, have a nap if it's a late game, nothing too set in stone, um, and then I just sort of, before I go out on the field every game, I grab my jersey, I put it in front of my face, the number, I put my, put my face in the number, it's just, I don't know, I just sort of, I've always done it, I rub it against my face and I do a quick prayer just to say thank you and I'm grateful to be there and to keep everyone safe um, and to get, let us play the best we possibly can, that sort of stuff. Kiss my jersey, chuck it on, um, and then we're straight into it, bro. That's sick, that's sick. All right, we'll jump into what you get to get up to outside of footy, bro, because uh, you have your own clothing label and maybe talk about how that all got started and, you know, what you're looking to do with it. Yeah, bro, so... um. <clears throat> I started a little clothing brand called 138 and basically that's just named after my my home street address where I grew up in the Mount. So it's sort of something that holds dear to me. Um, you know, my family still live there. When I come home, I obviously go there. I, I sort of did a clothing thing a couple of years ago and it sort of went all good, but you know, I was a bit young, but stupid, didn't know how to control the money, I uh, didn't know what I know now, and really the clothing and stuff didn't really have any meaning, so I think, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned in the last year is people sort of understand and follow meaning and purpose of things, so if, if a clothing business doesn't have any sort of meaning or sort of reasoning, you know, people slowly become bored of it. So I always said I wanted to restart it. I'd, I'd done a lot of sort of studying on my my own side of things, study myself where when I was ready to start again, I was going to um, on the marketing side of things and, and documenting it and having a reasoning behind everything I'm doing. So you'll see that obviously the name of my brand is something very special to me i got it i got the the numbers i got the logo tattooed on my wrist now um and the first you know i've always been i follow a bit of you know like just things on facebook you see and with animal cruelty and and things like that always pissed me off i saw this photo about elephants and trump legalizing detusking of elephants uh, that pissed me off and I wanted to make a change and I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to use some sort of leverage that I could g 
gain to do so. So I wanted to help in a way where other people can't because, you know, like if I was just wanting to help out of my own pocket, realistically, I couldn't have done that. Whereas I make a business, I have something, you know, some sort of leverage to do it with that helps. So I, the first t-shirt I made was Save the Elephants. Um, I donated 10% of profits of every every t-shirt to a Save the Elephants organisation online. I think I've found that it's more hard to balance with footy than when I've, like, you know, over the summer when I had no footy on. Mm-hmm. And I realised how much time I had on my hands, how much easier things become. You, you start seeing results, you start seeing more sales, you start seeing, you know, your following grows. So it's hard to balance, but both are. I've I've learned a lot more out of this business thing that I've and I'm, it's been just over six months now. I've learned more than in that than I have ever studied, and that's just me personally. But I'm just trying to keep some things for sort of after footy, you know, just keep my angst, keep my mind ticking during footy because you can't just be footy twenty four seven or you'll break your brain pretty much. Yeah, bro. Sure. So, what were you studying while you're at uni, bro? So I started with building science, bro, so I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> I, I thought, I could take thought I was smart and decided to go to um, building science. First lecture I walked into, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Um, so I changed the business, um, and I, bro, all up, I think I've done, you know, I dropped my papers in my first, um, first year at uni for other reasons footy and stuff and then second year I was pretty slack last year I studied the first part of the year and then not the second half so I've, I've done bugger all study but and then I just decided rather than just to keep ticking up my student loan I'm going to learn in a way I feel more beneficial for me so that's when I decided now I'm going to start this bloody clothing thing back up again I'm going to learn from that and sort of document it so you know, if there's people who are in the same situation as me or are thinking, like, you know, they want to start a business and they're at uni, they don't know what to do, their parents tell them to go to uni because that's where you need to go. Like, the reality is these days you don't need to go to uni to, to start a business anyway, not, like, there's uni is a place for certain things, I believe. Things like lawyers and, and doctors, I think uni is essential for that, for starting a business. I think you can learn more of of doing than, than studying. That's one of the, probably one of the things I took away from my own experience at uni. Uh, I finished up with a degree and did honours, but like you probably found, is that you don't actually learn anything unless you're actually doing it yourself and you go into yeah, what, what degree did you do? So I did a communications degree at Massey because I always um, envisioned myself being a journalist, bro. I just, I always love talking about sports and so I was like, why not try and pursue it? And then I did an extra year and I went to journalism school and that was mean, bro, but come the end of it, like, there were just bugger all jobs, like, uh, in the news space at the moment, like, as you probably know, bro, like, newspapers are dying, and everything's going online, and, you know, there's there's not really a need for a lot of reporters, so I'm working in PR at the moment, bro, and it's been, it's been real beneficial for me. And, yeah, it's really allowed me to sort of broaden my skill set as a creative or as a storyteller, because had I just stayed with journalism, I probably would have just been writing stories, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. But then, yeah, even with this podcast stuff, bro, like, I mean, you can read and you can watch as many videos as you want, but um, until you actually go out of your way to start it and then have to keep up with all the work, you don't, you know, you can't take any of that from a textbook, bro. You don't, like, uh, experience is the best teacher. Exactly, bro. That's the one. And I think the opportunities you have now, and business and and you know bro like your alley what, what you're talking about there and in a time like now I, th- I think there's been no more better opportunity online and things i mean the opportunities bro, are abundant online like you can really honestly start whatever you wanted right now and sort of go through it i don't think personally i don't think well from what gary v says and i, tr- I trust what gary v says he says that you know that what times like now are not going to be forever how big social media is, how much people are spending time looking at screens. He, he thinks that's not going to be forever. So if I take the opportunity as it, as it is, we're in a pretty lucky time right now. I think the, the best thing my mum ever told me, bro, even though she was a big advocate for me going to uni, is that 
like your degree is just really a piece of paper that gets you in the door but at the end of the day like i know a lot of people that have degrees and have that piece of paper and they've rocked up to interviews trying to step through that door but there's just no jobs and it's more about who you know than what you know yeah, so yeah. like you said there's so many tools online now that you can use the likes of gary v and all those other sort of experienced business people that are willing to share their knowledge so but even outside of uh, your your clothing brand, bro, like, do you have any other interests or anything else you're looking to pursue in the in the short term? Yeah, bro. I just we just I'm pretty cruisy, bro. Like, um, sort of that one three eight sort of takes up a lot of my time off the field. I kind of enjoy it, eh? Like, I I love doing it, so it's a cool thing where you can just wake up and be like, you know, I love to do this. But apart from that, bro, we, I I like to chill. I like to go out with with the boys. I love I love going out for going out for feeds, uh, me and the missus, bit of, bit of a foodie deal going on at the moment, we sort of love to go try new things, but I like surfing, I haven't been surfing much lately, but I've got, I've got a pretty good teacher, Kehu, one of my boys from here, and he's one of the best going around in New Zealand at the moment, so love doing that bro, it's just cruising bro pretty much, apart from, apart from what I do with the 138 and obviously the, the podcasting I'm trying to do, yeah. Man. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up, bro. But what I what I do with all of my guests that I get on is that I have um, a segment called 10 from the bin, bro. So I've got 10 questions here, and you just got to answer them as honestly as you can. Okay, bro. All right. Uh, what's your go-to vessel at the pre-drinks? Oh, pre-drinks. Changes a bit, bro. I would have said for last year, or for most of the time, it would be a bit of a long white crisp, not too sweet. The lemon and lime crisp ones. Now I'd probably say a bit of a corona. So <laughs> you're not one of those guys who've been chucking it on their Instagrams. Nah. Like, right now, bro. <laughs> it's corona time. That one. Jeez, <laughs> nah, nah, that's on me, bro. All right, all right. They've obviously played in a few footy teams, bro. Uh, who was the biggest coach's pet you've been around? <sighs> coach's pet. That's a good one. Hmm. Maybe. Oh, bro, Quinn. Tupia. <laughs> Quinn Tupia. <laughs> and Roger Randall, our backs coach for Waikato. Never seen anything like it. That'll be it right there, bro. It's literally his son. Okay, okay. Uh, now I know you talked about uh your your passion for your um your clothing brand, bro. So we'll put that to the side, but because I know you like to work on it in your spare time, but. What does your other must do on your day off? Uh, play my gap, bro. I play guitar since I was a kid. It's something I love doing. When I'm doing nothing, I'll just sit down and chuck YouTube on and learn a new song. That's how I've learned my whole life. I've never taken any lessons or anything. Yeah, bro, play my gap. That'd be my True. Life. What's your go-to water? Water? No, I'm not that. Well, I'm does not it, that does, does, that, don't have to be a wife. <laughs> what's your what's your go-to song? Is it Tennessee whiskey or? Oh, that's my new one. I just learned that that um the finger style that Tennessee whiskey. Nah, I'd probably say that um I learned this the finger style, so the picking version of Despacito, Justin. Oh, that's a go-to, bro. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love JB. Just quietly. Uh, <laughs> what's your least favorite fitness block? Block or anything, just right? any, any bro? Any, it can be any exercise, bro. Any session. Yo-yo. I think I hate the yo-yo. I'm better at a yo-yo than a bronco, but I think I'd rather do the bronco than a yo-yo because I just yeah nah yo-yo bro that makes me feel sick just thinking about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, favorite cheat meal. Oh shit! Which one? Probably say probably a KFC, bro. A yeah, burger, burger, chicken and fries from KFC, bro. That'd be me. Yeah, not bad. Most regretful baller purchase, bro. So, what I mean by that is, what have you gone out and spent a whole lot of money on? And then, like, the next day or next week being like, bro, I should not have bought that. Oh. Maybe, uh, maybe a scooter, bro. I bought a scooter online for, 
like 1200 bucks and then um the next day i was having a ride on it and it stopped working (laughs) 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 so um the the dude and the dude wouldn't take it back he said there's nothing wrong with it when i gave it to you um, so I was pretty pissed off about that. Um, oh, what? I ended up getting it. I ended up getting it working in the end, um, and I just sold it because I didn't use it. But yeah, initially, bro, yeah, that was my that probably oh. was my, and my and my AirPods, those AirPods that I bought, and then I lost them the next day as well. They broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, yeah, I've heard a few stories about boys losing them or just losing one, bro. Some of the boys might just lose one. Oh, yeah, break. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Uh, go-to dance move. Oh, bro, not a dancer. I'd, I'd do the, um, if we're in a club, bro, just, just the stand, just the stand against the wall ones, just yarn with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> not a dancer, bro. I'd never back myself to dance. Oh, me and you both, bro. Biggest grub you've played with and against. Oh, shit. Sam Nasi would have been up there. Sam Lousy and Jordan Moneyheader. Do you know Jordan Moneyheader? He plays for Waikato, doesn't he? Yeah, he played for Waikato. Um, wasn't there when I was there, but he played for the Saders as well. I, do, I had a preseason game with the Canes. We played the Crusaders, and we played Danny Graymouth. And I came on, and yeah, what well, I would have been nineteen. And he just made my life hell, bro. That whole time I was on the field, like I'd be pass, I'd pass a ball, he'd just come through the ruck, tackle me, and then he'd just like hold my legs over my head, like so. I was like, yeah, bro. So, and I couldn't do anything, bro. I was, like trying to move out, but he was just too strong, held me down. And I like get up and I like try and punch him, and he'd just laugh at me while I was doing it, when I was getting pissed off. So, him and Sam Lassie's he's scary. Cool, bro. Okay, last question, bro. And uh, gotta be honest with me on this one. Just finish the sentence. Saturdays are for the <laughs> boys. Oi, there we go. <laughs> Sweet, bro. Good to see the loyalty. All right, bro. That wraps it up, man. Um, I really appreciate you uh, responding to my DM, bro. As weird as that sounds. Again, I, I'm really enjoying the, the stuff that you're doing with your work outside of footy. I mean, it's becoming pretty prevalent now to see guys actually think about life after rugby, bro. But even with you taking that step to become an entrepreneur, I mean, that's sort of something in itself, bro. So I wish you all the best with that, bro. Hopefully we get some footy back soon so you can get back to doing what you love out on the field and, yeah, just stay safe, mate. Appreciate that, bro. Thanks for your time. Um, I sort of saw your – I've seen your uh, podcast on – I think you did one with Pete, eh? Peter yeah, 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 Peter, yeah. yeah bro. So I've seen your sort of stuff going around and I think it's awesome what you're doing, bro, especially with the journalist background that you're talking about, journalism and things like that. So you're sort of taking things into your own hands. Same with you, bro. Wish you the best with all with all that you're doing and hopefully it goes well, bro. If you need any help or if I need any help, I'll give you a bell as well. Oh, bro, for sure, bro. Thank you very much, man. I'll catch you later. Brother. All good.